0: hello and welcome to the 10th episode of sticks in the six i'm your host andrew forbes and i'm here with my co-host peter barracchini peter happy thanksgiving weekend uh what's what's going on out your way
1: Ah, happy Thanksgiving to you as well as all the viewers out there. We're recording on uh, Thanksgiving Monday here in Canada. So hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Um, not much. Quiet weekend. Um, Obviously, with everything going around, we want to be extra cautious with what we're doing. So we just kept it, you know, within my family. Uh, big dinner on Saturday. Didn't want to do anything because I was so stuffed. Sunday, I was basically lazy
0: and yeah how about you how was your weekend it was good uh kind of same thing you know I just kind of kept it low-key uh spent some time with my wife's uh my wife's parents um on Saturday drove down to Oakville back home for uh, for me on Sunday with my wife and uh my little guy and uh my my mom decided that it was a good time to try some new recipes so uh got a whole uh whole smorgasbord of uh different foods and um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good weekend, good time to see some family and, and, uh, you know, still, still try and be, you know, socially distancing while, while we do so. So, I mean, that's, that, that was the key, but, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. Good, very, a lot, a lot of things right now to be thankful for, even in, in, uh, the crazy world that we're living in. Absolutely. Uh, the health is the main important thing right now, so just...
1: Happy to be around right now. That's that should be key for everybody, and just hopefully we can get by this, this, this.
0: Yeah, and you know what a way to start off the episode. Obviously, it's something we've talked about every single episode that we've had so far. But um, obviously, COVID, something that uh, kind of hit the news waves right after we recorded last week. Connor McDavid test positive, mild symptoms. He's in self quarantine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, crazy to see that, especially after. You know the NHL put together such an incredible bubble. Nobody tests positive during the bubble, um, and then uh, it's almost like he left symptom-free, and all of a sudden there you go. One of the one of the biggest names in hockey has uh, has a positive test. So just a uh, just a reminder that uh, this this uh, this di- virus or whatever you want to call it has no boundaries in terms of who it's going to get.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it doesn't matter who you are, what job or profession you're in. It goes after you no matter what. And as long as you mask up and socially distance, we'll we'll be fine. You will be fine.
0: Yeah. And uh, just moving on from that. a lot to talk about this week. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna try yes. and touch on as much as we can. That being said, we don't want to throw a three four hour episode at you guys. Uh, we don't have a guest <laughs> specifically for that reason because there's so much to talk about this uh, this week. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna do a quick run through. We want to get the leaf stuff. Obviously, that's why a lot of you guys are listening to the show. That said, there are a few things to touch on with free agency, the draft, that kind of stuff. We want to get to that. Um, but first off. A lot of talk in the bubble was when Tuka Rask left the Bruins, obviously for family reasons. We we discussed that in a prior episode. There was talk that he had a no trade limited no trade clause that was lifted. Uh eight team trade list. Nothing happened at this point. Obviously, we talked last episode about all the goalie moves that were happening, the buyouts, the the free agents, the signings. As of right now, Tuka Rask staying a Bruin. Do you think there's any animosity between Rask and the team?
1: Between the team and itself, I don't think so. I mean, there's quite a backlash from the fan base after he left the bubble saying, oh, if he's if he wants to leave, why do we want him on the team anyways, right? That was pretty noticeable in how people were overlooking the fact that, you know, he needed to be spend time with his family. There was issues going around with them, and he wanted to be there for them and support them. So... Not so much with the uh, team itself, maybe the fan base. I don't know because if if I'm getting backlash like that because of like personal reasons, you don't need that. But I don't know what he's thinking if he wants. I did read somewhere that he wants to remain a Bruin, and you know he's had great success with them. You know he won a cup back in 2010, I believe, as a backup to Tim Thomas, and he's been their starter ever since. So, I mean. If he want, I mean, it's his choice. I mean, it's ultimately what he wants to do. If he wants to stay, great. If he wants to leave, also great. If he wants to feel like this is the end,
0: great. You know, he had a really great career. Yeah, I think uh, there's all. He's been a very polarizing player for the Bruins over the years. Um, whether it be from, you know, obviously being like you mentioned, being a backup. There's a lot of fans that still discuss the fact that he's never actually won the team up, um, which you know. Is, is arguable considering what he's done for the team uh his numbers mm-hmm. are incredible um he's been a major part of that uh, that team over the years um and like you said I think it's more of a a fan fan to touga kind of uh frustration right now and and uh you know they really have no reason to do so that being said obviously you know being in Toronto we know what it's like when we get frustrated with a player and it does blow up from there so, uh, it's, you know, I, like you said, right now he's, he's a Bruin. Hopefully he stays a Bruin, um, for his sake. Um, and hopefully that the back, hopefully the backlash kind of cools down a little bit over the off season and, uh, they're ready to go for 2020, 2021. That said, there is a player that will not be back for next season. Um, Matt Niskanen decided to retire at the age of 33 Uh, Drafted 28th overall in 2005 by Dallas. He played for Dallas, Pittsburgh, Washington, and Philly over his career. Um, Debuted in 2007-08 with the Stars. Had 26 points in 78 games in his rookie season. Not known for his offensive skill. More of a defensive-minded guy, but still finished with... 72 goals and 356 points over 949 regular season games. He added six goals and 42 points in 140 playoff games. And he was also part of the Stanley Cup winning Capitals in 2017-2018. Solid career for Matt Niskanen. Definitely not a Hall of Fame career, but one worth writing about because he was such a key component to those four clubs that he played on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, the points don't jump out, but, you know, he still made an impact defensively. He was probably one of, you know, not necessarily the best, but he was a decent stay at home defender. He he was relied on heavily, especially uh, with the caps during that uh, Stanley Cup run. Uh, You know, it's it seemed kind of like a shock considering that it was only he only has a 13 year NHL career. But again, you know, he felt that it was his time. He felt he reached is on the cup. That's basically all that matters for a player. You know? Um, I mean, obviously we would have liked to see more of him, but you know what? He felt like this was it. And he's going out like, you know, a, he went out as a, as a cup champion. Not many people can do that.
0: Yeah, no. And I agree. Uh, obviously, you know, some, some players just know when it's time to call it a career. And, uh, at least he's going out on his terms. It's not an injury that's kind of driving him out of the game, so that's uh, that's always good to see. Um, moving forward, we've got we've we had five trades since we last talked. Five key trades, let's say. Yes. Um. Obviously, you had the trades that happened during the draft and all that kind of stuff, picks for picks, and we won't get too much into that. If you want to know more, you can always head over to the Hockey Writers. We've got a full uh, list of, of news and notes for for everyone that uh, is interested, but. Five mm-hmm. five trades worth touching on. Um, Ryan Donato traded t- to uh, the San Jose Sharks from Minnesota for a 2021 third round pick. Um, Gabranson traded to the Ottawa Senators for a fifth round pick in 2021. Obviously, uh, the the Ottawa Senators, as you'll see as we move on here, were very busy this uh, this past week. Uh, more go- uh, goalie news for you. Devin Dubnik was also traded from Minnesota to the San Jose Sharks for. A, along with a seventh-round pick in 2022 for San Jose's fifth in 2022. Uh, One of the bigger moves, Max Domi was traded from the Montreal Canadiens, where he just didn't seem to fit in in the playoffs, Uh, along with a 2023, which ended up being Samuel Nazco, 78th overall, to the Blue Jackets for Josh Anderson. Uh, More news on both of those players in just a moment. And then, um, obviously, Matt Murray was traded to the Ottawa Senators for Jonathan Gruden and a 2020 second-round pick, which ended up being Joel Blomquist at uh, 52nd overall. So what do you take away from these moves? Obviously, the Max Domi and uh, Matt Murray ones are much bigger moves in terms of their effects on their new teams. Um, Yeah, What what, what do you take away from them, Peter? So I'm just going to start off with the Domi Anderson one, because
1: that seemed like the talk of the town before, you know, the NHL draft. Right. Um, personally, I like the move. I understand it. Both players seemed out of place. You know, it, they needed to change the scenery, both for Domi and Anderson. It was the right move for both of them. One for one. I mean, I, I know that they threw Montreal through in the third rounder, I believe. So. You know, there's a little incentive. If it was one for one straight up, I probably would not have done it. But then you look at it from Domi's perspective, you know, there is a, a bit of a relationship quarrel with management and the coaching staff as, you know, they didn't see eye to eye on things. Even Max Domi went, went one step further to not discuss about his relationship with Claude Julian, which, you know, kind of raises some flags right there. But the Contracts itself. Domi's contract was good. Him resigning 5.3 million over two years is fair, considering what he did as a rookie with 50 points and 70 points with the Canadians. Giving Josh Anderson 5.5 million over seven years, I don't know what Bergerman was thinking. This is a guy who had a career best of like 40 points and 27 goals, if I'm not mistaken. Good numbers, but you know nothing that warrants 5.5 million for. I mean, that's a huge risk to take given his small sample. I mean, the contract literally itself is David Clarkson 2.0 in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I like I, I agree with you on the trade. I think for the most part, it was a it was a pretty good deal. Um, I was a little shocked that they. They wanted to go out. I mean, obviously, you mentioned it. Max Domi wasn't really fitting in Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. especially since Cole Julian came in. Um, Josh Anderson, you know, a little bit more injury prone uh, in in my books. Um, yeah, that's why I think the dollar amount just did not make sense, especially over seven years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you're really tying yourself up. And I forget who did it, but there was a there was a meme online of uh, Mark Bergevin when he was a little bit more, <laughs> maybe not as built, uh, you know, mus- muscular. Um, and they, they kind of said, you know, what they had in Josh Anderson. And then they showed a picture of jo- uh, Mark Bergevin all Before built and up after. and jacked. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> you know, what it looks like after the numbers are in for the the Anderson contract. And yeah. it, it's so true. Like, you just did not expect that that kind of, term and maybe that dollar amount for a guy that you know really hasn't shown what he's able to do like there's a lot of talk of what he his he could potentially do he has a high ceiling but man seven years at 38 uh, 38 38.5 million that's a lot of money to tie up especially with the stale cap the way it is yeah and basically it's the same
1: literally almost the same contract as domi granted he's making 200,000 more you could have had Domi 5.3 at cheaper for two years than Josh Anderson over seven. I mean, given again the whole there's something going on between him, management, and the coaching mm-hmm. staff. He needed to get out of there. But if there, were, you wouldn't have to make you have to give that ridiculous amount of money to a guy who is injury prone and only played only scored 27 goals, not even 30. It's a real big risk to take right now. Yeah, they got bigger. Yeah, he can provide that physical presence that they need. But the money does not make any sense at all. Yeah, I think
0: this one will be something that we look back on. Mm Domi's two years. We look back on this contract. You're going to be kind of laughing where Domi is versus where Anderson is. And and the thing with Domi is he he signed a two-year contract. The cap's going to start climbing again after you know yeah. 3 years assuming that everything kind of gets back to some some sort of normalcy mm-hmm. so i think he's 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 betting on himself saying i can get the job done in 2 years he's the guy who's put up 70 points in his nhl career already like that mm-hmm. you know he's he's playing for 5.3 um you've got anderson playing for you know 5.5 and and just is it i i just i don't know i just don't see it i don't see it being worth it for them in the end Yeah, and like you said, two years time, we'll see how it pans out, who will have
1: the better value, who will have the better value for their production during those two years. And personally, I'm I like I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody feels this way. Domi at 5.3,
0: I would take any day of the week
1: over Anderson at 5.5.
0: Yeah. And uh, going off of that, I mean, obviously, I mentioned the Matt Murray trade to Ottawa. I talked Mm -hmm. about how Ottawa was kind of busy this offseason so far. Um, I personally love the trade for Ottawa. Um, they obviously didn't bring back Craig Anderson. Don't have a lot of goalie depth in, in the, in the, uh, the system right now. Um, and I just think it's, what a great deal to bring them over. He didn't give up too much. He gave up a second. Run. I even mentioned something on Twitter afterwards about how, you know, they're willing to do that. Why, why couldn't Toronto go out and get Matt Murray for, you know, similar, similar assets. Right. Um, I think Toronto had a lot more in the pipeline to give up and uh, you know, you're in, in return, you're getting a Stanley cup winner, um, a two time Stanley cup winner, I should say. Um, But yeah. And then off of that, Pierre Dorian goes on to sign him to a four year deal, 25 million. Um, You know, you just, you can't really complain dollar amount for a starting goalie right now. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, his injuries come into play as well. And that's something we've talked about in the past, but uh, you know, still to get that guy for, for that kind of uh, dollar amount, I, I don't think you can go wrong at this point in time if you're Ottawa.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it's a little bit risky considering his injury history, but you know what he's capable of. You know what he can do, and you know what he brings to the table. He has posted good numbers in the past, down year last year, but, you know, he he was dealing with some injuries as well. So 6.25 over four years, I, I I do like it. I do like it. I mean... But there's also the fact that Brayden Holpe, who is making roughly around the same money, taking glass for for his down year with the Vancouver Canucks. So that comes into play. It's a tall task to live up to for Murray. But then again, they have they they have the cap space to give him the money. They needed a goalie. And, you know, it's a win win for them. Um, will Murray have like the best numbers maybe not so much considering that the team is in a rebuild, but they got a good, you know, a, a capable goaltender going forward right now.
0: Yeah. And, uh, like you said, I think it's good, good move by them for the time being until they can get somebody else to sort of, you know, get to that NHL level. Um, at this point he's, he's the best option for them. And in a, in a market where the goalies were, were mm-hmm. premium right now, um, you know, they, they got a, they got a solid attendee for, uh, for the next four years. um, we also Absolutely. had a number of yeah yeah we we also had a number of buyouts uh, over the last week some of the key buyouts that uh, i wanted to bring up jack johnson bought out by pittsburgh justin oblocator bought out by detroit carl allsner by montreal carl turris by uh, nashville and alex wenberg by columbus and as we'll see uh, when we get into sort of talking about the signings and free agency there was uh, a number of those guys that actually signed as well uh, this week so you know, bought out from one deal, signed for another. Uh, not much you can say about uh, about those guys right now. That said, I do want to get into the draft with you. Um, yes. Obviously, you know, I jumped on the Hockey Writers Live this week. Uh, new new mm-hmm. show by the Hockey Writers guys. Check it out; it's awesome. Mark uh, Mark and Josh, we both we've had both on the show, uh, do a wonderful job hosting. Um, yes. Had a lot of fun talking with those guys. I think Mark gave me a little bit too much credit, calling me calling us uh, draft experts. But uh, hey, uh, I'll take what I can get. Um, that being said, first round, uh, a lot of lot of shocking uh, picks, in my opinion. Um, so we're just gonna run through each one um, because I think there, I think uh, you know obviously you're you're big on prospects. Mm-hmm. um you kind of d- dabble in the uh, the draft as well and uh i yes. think it's it's key that we uh touch on these guys especially if we want to look back on them in a couple of years and see where they're at but number one for me uh I, I gotta ask jake sanderson top defenseman goes before drysdale at number five what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i mean i okay I want a Brady Schneider for the Leafs. That was a bit of a stretch to me. That was a bit of a reach with their selection. Uh, um, I, I could understand why. I mean, he, he's got great potential as a puck-moving defense, or not puck-moving defenseman. that's sort of a two-way guy who can like move the offense, but also play se- st- uh, steady defense in his own end. I do like that pick, but at the same time. Is it more beneficial to draft him or Jake Sand or uh, Jake Sanderson? Jamie Drysdale at that point. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, to me personally, I really like Jamie Drysdale, and I've not seen a lot of him with the GTHL Marlies. But even as his progression from into the OHL, seeing him live at the World Junior Selection Camp, he was one like he was battling for a spot, but he made every like he took that opportunity every single chance he took to make an impression. And he did that with team Canada. I personally would have gone with Jamie Drysdale, but you know, I can understand why Jake Sanderson is appealing to them.
0: Yeah, no. And I just kind of going off of that back in March, I had him ranked 19th, uh, Jake Sanderson ranked 19th overall. My, my final rankings just prior to the draft, I had him jump up to 15th overall. Um, I had him in March ranked fifth in uh, my final rankings. I had him ranked fifth. So, I mean, Drysdale only re- dropped one spot from where I had him ranked. Uh, but Jake Sanderson jumped f- 10 spots from my final rankings to, to being drafted fifth overall. And for me, like I, I do get the appeal from, for, for Sanderson, like obviously a big body, a guy that, uh, you know, still has a lot of growing to do. I just, I was a little shocked to see him go fifth overall. I thought, mm-hmm. He moved up in a big way uh, from from where a lot of people had him ranked, and I just there was so much talk about Drysdale and what he was able to bring to the club, and and you know puck moving defenseman watched him in the World Juniors, just had had that that innate ability to, to make space. Yeah, he made space for himself. Like he just he he just found a way to open up the ice for him as well as his teammates, and I don't think Sanderson's there yet. Um I don't know if he has that same capability. He's a he's a solid player, first round talent, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um top five. I think this is one we're gonna look back on and, and wonder a little bit, uh if if Ottawa got it right in, in taking Sanderson. But obviously they got their guy that was somebody they wanted and and, and you know, kudos to them for, for making that call. But uh it's it's gonna be interesting to see. See what we uh, we find uh, as, as Sanderson makes his push for for an NHL job in the in the next few years. How happy do you think the Ducks are getting Triasdale? Oh, I think they were laughing. I oh, think they were God. laughing. It was it was the same as it was the same as Minnesota and, and Winnipeg getting Rossi and Perfetti back to back at nine and ten. I think I think they sat back and just laughed at the fact that they those guys fell into their lap. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I think I think Anaheim was probably making uh, making some sort of plans to on, on who they were going to go with, and, and when they saw that Jamie Drysdale was still there, I think they just jumped on it. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the quicker picks in, in the first round as well, if you were watching the uh, the five-minute clock that was running down on each team. seemed like each team liked to use their entire five minutes, and, and uh, Anaheim came up a little bit quicker than, than use most. Use it wisely, yeah. Yeah. Um, going off of that, though, uh, another guy that I thought maybe jumped a little too high was Jack Quinn at number eight to Buffalo. Um, as mentioned, uh, I, I know Josh talked a lot about this as well. Jack Quinn jumped to eight with Rossi and Perfetti still on the board. Um, I just, I think it's a Buffalo thing to do where they, you know, maybe try and go off the board a little bit and and take take a guy that they think is going to turn into something. I just, for me, I, I don't think Quinn's a top 10 guy. No. I agree. I agree. I think they took the wrong Ottawa Sixty-Sevens player. I and mean, I, I,
1: I'm a firm believer that Marco Rossi will have, you know, a much better career than Jack Quinn. I think maybe Buffalo just did it with the Jack and Jack thing. Kind of like Eichel and Quinn. Maybe to pass up on the top, basically the top two goal scorers in the OHL. That's something that you really shouldn't do. And I don't know. I don't know why. Again, they probably see something in him that we don't, but I would have taken Perfetti or Rossi ahead of Jack Quinn. I mean, Rossi is a very capable two-way guy. I mean, you saw how built this guy is. On the day of the draft, They were po- he would po- or before the draft, he posted pictures of himself training online on Twitter with, like, you know, doing weights and stuff like that. He is jacked. Like, he is built for a small guy. And I, if they're thinking that size is going to be a factor... With a with him training like that and building up muscle, he's gonna go a long way. And I think Minnesota, kind of like uh, Anaheim with uh, Drysdale, they're laughing at the bank right now. They're taking that all the way and they're running with it. Same with Winnipeg and Perfetti, they got two really great solid prospects right there.
0: Yeah, I think they. I think Buffalo just saw Quinn as a as a playmaker and as, as somebody that can go in there and set up Eichel for, you know, for a number of years. But uh, you know, I just. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't see him as a top ten talent. Um, I think they left two two key guys on the board and uh yeah, I just I think he went higher than he should have. Um, yeah. but I mean like I said, there was a number of that in the first round. Uh before I get to more of the surprises, I I want to ask you about Askarov going at eleven to Nashville. You and I talked about it prior to the uh to the draft about uh New Jersey possibly taking him, and what that would say to Mackenzie Blackwood. Same sort of story here. I mean, you've got Pekarene, who's kind of on the decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he won't be there for the long run. Um, but UC Saros, a guy that you know you've banked on for for a number of years to back up uh, Pekarene. What are you saying to UC Saros when you pick a guy like Ascroft? Because you know Ascroft's going to go in there and be a franchise goaltender wherever he went. We did we discussed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be three to five years away, but I think because he's been playing in the league that he's been playing in, I think he's got the potential to be there in three years. And if that's the case, what do you do with a guy like UC Soros? You can't just toss him to the wolves. I mean, this is a guy who's who's has the potential to be a, a legitimate goaltender, um, given the right uh, opportunity. But now, you know, that kind of, you're taking that kind of out of his sails right now mm-hmm. with, with taking a guy like Ascroft at eleven.
1: Yeah, no. I, I when they made that pick, it made sense. Like you said, Renee's on the decline. Saros has potential. I mean, he's been given more of an opportunity right now, considering Renee's decline, and uh, he he has played fairly well. It's just it's not enough. And drafting Sar um, Askarov just solidified Nashville's goaltending situation right there. I mean, you have they have. Devin Cooley and Connor Ingram are non-roster goaltenders coming up from the pipeline, both 23. You can make the assumption that maybe Connor Ingram could be a capable backup, and they move Sorrow so he can get another opportunity elsewhere, or they try and make a low-level signing and try and sign you know another capable backup. But then again, when Askarov comes in, you're going to need someone with experience, kind of like what... Um, not not to jump the gun, but kind of what the Washington Capitals did, signing Henrik Lundqvist to, you know, mentor and guide Ilya Samsonov. And. Yeah, the the goal goaltending situation is set. Askarov is your guy. Maybe you see Saros could be that guy and mentor Askarov, and then Saros goes off after three years. Don't know, but it's an interesting situation nonetheless. Um, but, yeah, I had no issue with the pick. Honestly, like you said, we were looking at a team like New Jersey, but Nashville did need a goaltender, and I think they took that as an opportunity to be like, "There's our guy."
0: Yeah, no, I I agree, and I I just think, I think it, it it's one of those things where one it, he was probably the best guy available. Um, in fact, I I'm I'm shocked he fell outside the top ten, but best guy available, and two, I think you're setting yourself up for the future. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a solid pick by them. Um, obviously, you know, we would have liked to see him fall four more spots, but you know, that said, yeah. um, we'll get, we'll get into the least pick a, a little bit later in the show. Um, yeah. Another guy that kind of, uh, was an interesting pick, uh, obviously their third pick of the first round, but, uh, the New Jersey Devils at 20 took Shakir Mukmadulin, um, defenseman from Russia big bodied i just i had him ranked in the 70s so mm-hmm. for me i just part of me wonders if this was more of a hey we've got three first round picks let's let's take a risk on on somebody that we maybe have maybe has a high ceiling and we we have some some uh, liking to um, but i just I, i'm i'm a little bit shocked I, I feel like it was a bit of a toss away pick uh, it's
1: It's interesting to see that because a lot of like a lot of the main people in the scouting community, especially ones that, you know, that we're known to seeing a lot of like Tony Ferrari, Will Scouts and everything like that. There's like promise fully developed for him and a lot of people did have him in between, you know, second, third, maybe late first. This was kind of like a shocking pick that high. I mean, and you know what? I think this thing this is what teams are also looking at as well. They're seeing more of an opportunity right now with their season starting now that the draft is later, maybe they see something in a that, you know, maybe he did improve on in the past, you know? Um, Yeah, it's a big gamble, but again, they probably see something in him more than what we do right now, because we're so used to seeing him, you know, during like last season. Right. And it, doesn't take long for players to try and realize how to improve their game. And maybe he did that. We don't know, but that is a big swing on their part.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I just, like I said, I think he's one of the guys that kind of benefited off of like the, uh, the European league starting a little bit earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had, had, had a pretty good start and he just, he jumped, uh, jumped up the rankings a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I just think that New Jersey could have potentially got him later in the draft uh and, and could have drafted you know guys on the board Hendrix Lapierre Tyson Forrester Connor Zari uh those guys those guys were all still available at at 20 um yeah. and I just I think there was there was more potential for them to, to get up front especially for a young squad like that than uh and and maybe sit on that pick for for a couple rounds but again we we see it from the outside. They obviously have major discussions about what they what they want to do with their picks. I just it was it was a shocking one for me. Yeah. Um. If that one, I mean, we talked about that one, but follow that one up at twenty one with Yugarchina. Save uh, save the best for last. I just that, that's that one. <laughs> um. I just I talked I asked Mark about it a little bit <laughs> when I was on the Hockey Writers Live and nothing not to take anything away from from Chynikov, I mean this is a guy who's an overager obviously his second time around again the early start over in Russia I think helped boost what he was but I mean Yarmo Kekalainen said he was in their top ten the whole way so I just <laughs> Peter I had him. I didn't even have him ranked in my top 217 picks. So yeah, this, this and how he's a top, you know, a first round pick. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have much more to say. I think, you know, our listeners can hear me kind of chuckling at it. I, I just, uh, this one threw me for a whirl. I mean, you wrote a
1: draft profile on him and everybody was flocking over to it because it seemed like you were the only one that had information on him at that point. But um yeah, I again, the reaction online was priceless. It was like wh- what? Like I don't know what was going on. I mean, I don't I don't know how to put it. That was kind of like a very shocking pick to make, especially in that spot and just for like reference Mark Shagg took Dawson Mercer at 21. Uh, granted, you know, that at that point, I, I believe Mercer was taken off the table. Yeah, he was taken off the table way before then at 18th. Again, you look at all the players that you could have had. You could have had Hendricks, LaPierre. You could have had Tyson Forrester, Zeri, Barron, Jacob Perrault, Ridley Gregg. I mean, even if you wanted to technically go off the, not necessarily off the board, because he was still technically considered a first-round pick, uh Nadinov. kusnadinov he was something that like like a lot of scouts really really like loved he was a major prospect that with his skill set and everything that he thought that many thought that he should have been a first round pick i i i yeah it's a very questionable one and he did have a good start i mean i think he has at least um i think he has points in all six games yeah and I think yeah. most of them were were goals. I think he had like five at one point. Yeah. But an overager that high up. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know when you're probably going to see him come over, but it is a very interesting pick, to say the least. I mean, I, again, I don't know much about him mock drafts and i posted like you know my selections online with toronto i had him like as a late late round pick like sixth or seventh. i mean and that's fairly reasonable but
0: wow first rounder cool yeah I, I know Larry. i know larry fisher over at the hockey writers had him ranked in his you know top 217 but again he was a late round pick um but just my thing is okay, so this is a guy, and there's reports coming out of Russia now that he's going to sign a three-year deal over there, uh, which would mean yeah. that you don't see him until at least uh, twenty twenty-four, twenty-five. So that like write him off if that's if that's the case because he won't be over here for at least three years. No. That said, two names that jump out at me that you could have potentially taken first round if if you wanted to go off the board a little bit, Martin Chromiak dropped to the fifth round. Yeah. Okay. There's a guy that I think most of the most most analysts had him top two rounds. Yeah, at late, least the top late 50 second there. round. Yeah, another guy that I like. I I'm a little shocked didn't get picked at all. But James Hardy, Mississauga Steelheads. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this guy. This guy didn't even get drafted. And you're taking Igor Chinenkov with the 21st overall pick. I'm hoping the Leafs sign him. <laughs> I, I yeah. I mean.
1: Like Go out there I, and sign him as like, you know, a, like maybe you like send him to an amateur level contract, like as a yeah. tryout, see what he does. And then you could go from there. But he's I was, just, yeah,
0: I was Hard reading that like 13.4% of uh, undrafted players make the NHL, mm-hmm. which is higher, much higher than fifth, sixth and seventh round picks. So yeah. right now, I mean, if you're if you're a, if you're an undrafted player, hold your head up high. I mean, the, the, the potential that you're you're going somewhere is still out there. The odds are good for you. But uh, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I, I again, this is going to be something we kind of look back on in, in a little bit. And uh, um, yeah, I draft, I hope I'm I, I hope I'm not laughing anymore. This draft itself
1: was kind of crazy because let's face it, some of them, some of what they saw last year is very limited, concerning they couldn't go anywhere. Now with the we're seeing some players rise up even further than what they were. But at the same time, that's a small sample compared to what the bigger sample was watching them for a full season last year or or what you could have. I mean, they saw more games last year than they did with the start of, like, the European leagues this year. So, yeah, a lot of movement for a lot of the European players. I mean, Robbie Arventi kind of surprised me at 33 to Ottawa. I do like this one for Winnipeg. Daniel Torgerson at 40. I think he's got the makings to, you know be a really great power forward player in the NHL. Maybe 40 was a bit too high, but at the same time, he was slated to be maybe a late second, early third round pick.
0: Yeah, he was on my uh, my short list of uh, underrated Swedes. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a guy that uh, I was interested in, and in somebody that uh, I think definitely keep an eye on him, because like you said, he could be a, a up and coming power forward um, down the road. So, the last one I want to get into in terms of the first round uh, and, and just the draft in general, I mentioned Martin Chromiak falling to the fifth round. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. James Hardy not being drafted. Uh, that surprised me. Uh, but one of the ones I wanted to get into in the first round, Justin Barron um, went 25th yeah. to Colorado. Um, and the, the only reason it surprised me is, one, Justin Barron's dealing with the blood clot right now. Um, mm-hmm. Major issue. Uh, he has the potential to be a first-round talent. That's That's without question. But on a team that already has so many defensive prospects, that was what shocked me. Is that Colorado was the team to take him? Um, you know, they've got Bowen Byram, they've got Connor Timmins, they've got Kale McCarr, they've got you know uh, Samuel Girard. Like, I just that was the only reason that I bring him up is because I'm I'm just shocked that they were the team out of everybody to to go out and get another defenseman.
1: Could use it as leverage too. I mean, sure. Oh yeah. I mean, even with the players that they do have, you could use Connor Timmons as leverage. Bowen Byram, maybe not so much because of the promise that he has. But Justin Barron, you could probably use him as leverage. If a team wants a promising prospect, you could probably give that away and get a star player in return to, you know, make a deep playoff run. Kind of like what Tampa did, giving up a Cal, um, a Cal Nolan Foot, for Blake Coleman to the Devils. But at the same time... If you wanted to take a risk on Barron, that was the opportunity to do it. I mean, he was considered a top 15 pick, blood clots hit, Halifax Mooseheads weren't that great, but he still had promised to be a a top two-way defender. And if, if there was an opportunity to select him, it would have been in the second round or there. And I think Colorado, I mean, hey. I'm not going to argue with Joe Sakic and what he's done with the organization and his scouting team. They probably see something right there. And if they do, that's probably a really good pick.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, uh, I just, I, like I said, it was just more the team that, that chose him. But, uh, Mm um, as you mentioned, obviously, you know, potential, uh, you know, um, piece in a, in a future trade or they, or they utilize one of their assets that they already have in the organization. So, um, Definitely, uh, definitely a guy that you want to take a risk on, uh, especially if he can come back and be fully capable of what he was before the blood clots uh, kind of took over at the end of the last last season. So yeah. Um, okay, I want to get into some of the key signings of free agency. Like I said, we had a big week. Um, yes. So bear with me. I'm going to run through a list of probably about 20 of the key signings. And uh, obviously Leafs excluded because we'll get into that uh, separately after. But
1: they're um, special
0: like that. Yeah, they're special like that. <laughs> they get a whole whole area of the show to themselves. Uh, but yeah, so here we go. Columbus Blue Jackets sign Max Domi to a two-year, ten point six million dollar contract. Jesse Puljujarvi's coming back over for Edmonton, two years, two point three five million. Dylan DeMello, four years, twelve million with Winnipeg. Um Josh Anderson, as we mentioned, seven years, thirty-eight point five million with Montreal. Matt Murray, four years, twenty-five million with Ottawa. Anton Kadobin st- Dallas, four years at ten point zero five million. Uh big signing for the Canucks, Braden Holpe, two years, eight point six million. Jakob Markstrom jumps jumps ship from uh, Vancouver, heads over to Calgary, six years, thirty-six million. Henrik Lundqvist, as you mentioned, one year, $1.5 million with Washington. Justin Braun losing Niskanen. They decided to sign uh, uh, Justin Braun in Philadelphia to a two year, $3.6 million contract. Uh, Tory Krug leaves Boston. Thank God for the Leafs. Uh, seven years, <laughs> $45.5 million in St. Louis. Kevin Miller re- remains with the Bruins, one year, $1.25. Justin Schultz, two years, $8 million in Washington. Alex Petrovic, one year, $700,000 in Calgary. Calgary making a lot of noise in the offseason as well. Nashville signs defenseman Matt Benning to a two-year, $2 million contract. Big one announced yesterday, Taylor Hall, one year, $8 million in Buffalo. Kevin Shattenkirk coming off a of Stanley Cup with Tampa, three years, $11.7 million in Anaheim. Jack Johnson, one year, $1 million in New York after being bought out by Pittsburgh. Mark Borowiecki, uh, two years, four million in Nashville. Alex Wenberg, one year, two point two five in Florida. Keith Kincaid, two years, one point six five million in New York with the Rangers. Uh, Nathan Beaulieu stays put in Winnipeg, two years, two point five million. Cam Talbot, three years, eleven million in Minnesota. Kyle Turris signs in Edmonton, two years, three point three million. Brad Kogudas, three years, seven point five million in Florida. Pat Maroon and Luke Shen remain with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maroon's contract, 2 years, 1.8 million. Luke Shen, 1 year, 800,000. Bobby Ryan signs a 1-year contract in Detroit for 1 million. Malcolm Suban, 2 years, 1.7 million in Chicago, and Chicago also signed Dominic Kubalik to a 2-year, 7.0 million dollar contract. So just a whole bunch of signings. Ooh. All the ones I didn't mention, all the smaller ones. Head on over to the Hockey Writers. We have a live um, tracker for for any free agent signings. Um, obviously, these guys, the writers over there, just pumping out article after article with all the details. Check them out at the Hockey Writers. But those are some of the key signings that uh, were have happened over the last uh, last week.
1: Yeah. Uh, um. Where do we start? I mean, that's a that. that I mean, a lot has happened. Since our, our, our obviously when we last recorded the draft signings and everything like that, but yeah, whirlwind, a lot of movement with a lot of players mo, mo, and a lot of them taking significantly less amount of money considering where you, we are in a flat cap era at the moment. Um, but yeah, a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting ones. And I think you mentioned that You were pleasantly happy that Tori Krug is out of Boston and let's face it as Least nation, we can all appreciate that. But, obviously, that signing signaled the end of uh, Petrangelo. Any hopes of him staying with the St. Louis Blues? I mean, we I talked we talked about it, like, a few episodes ago. Tory Krug deserved the raise. I mean, that's a really good number for him. Um, no doubt about it. He's a great puck-moving defenseman, and he deserved that contract. I like him. Is he an upgrade over Petrangelo? Probably not, because you're taking away, like, a major like you're taking away a guy who can compete for a Norse trophy every single year. One of the top defensemen in the league, Stanley cup champion, um, Boston losing Krug is huge right now. And with Petro possibly leaving for Vegas seems like a plot of like a massive betrayal where St. Louis goes out, gets one guy before you can even talk to the other one. And it's like a whole massive like
0: movie line right now with that signing. Yeah, I think, like, I, I, we mentioned it a little while ago, like on a couple episodes ago. Um, I think the the signal to Petrangio in St. Louis was when they, they got Justin Falk and signed him to that big contract. Mm-hmm. I think that was their kind of, you know, obviously, I think they wanted him to take a, a pay cut and, and stay with St. Louis, but you know, a guy who's kind of coming up on the, the, last number of years of his career, I think he wants to kind of dictate what, you know, what he earns and, and where he goes and, yeah. you know, a chance to test free agency and see what's out there. I I don't blame him for, for checking out what's out there, but as you mentioned, you know, they go out and, and lock up Tory Krug, which I think is, you know, a great signing. Um, obviously Krug, another guy who wants to kind of dictate what he makes. And, and, um, he mentioned it after signing with St. Louis that, uh, you know, there wasn't as many discussions with Boston as he would have liked, um, mm-hmm. it w- which is a little bit surprising. But I think it came down to, you know, Jeremy Jacobs is, is a guy that likes to likes to have his hand in the pot as well with the Bruins. Um, and I think, uh, I, I you know, Krug wasn't going to get 45 and a half million from from uh, Boston. Um, that's a team who's who's focused on on giving or getting team friendly deals from a number of their players. Just look at the guys up front. Uh yeah. and that's kind of been their their sh- their shtick over the years, and and uh, because of that, um, you know, Cruz off to St. Louis, and and for, by all accounts, Pietrangelo could be off to Vegas in the next couple of days. But solid it's, signing for them. Get them out yeah. of the East.
1: What's shocking to me about Boston is they have 11 million in cap space. You could have at least given Tori Krug 6.5 million. I mean, he's if you do that, he's making roughly the same as all your three other stars in Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. What yeah. pay cut do you need to give him? He's making the same money as your other
0: stars. Yeah, no, and I I, I think the thing that shocked me was just that there was no conversation had. Like it was just mm-hmm. it was offered him a deal, he didn't take it there was no other conversation. That's um, a, and obviously I'm, we're getting one side of the story, but at the same time, like, you know, there's a guy that's, that's put his blood, sweat and tears into the Bruins for, for how many years now. And and you kind of do them like that. I just, I think that's, that's where the frustration comes from. And that's probably why Krug just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm uh, heading out, out of Boston for a little while.
1: It's been nice while it lasted.
0: Yeah. Um, but other, other like other signings I want to talk about, obviously we talked about the goalie market. Um, Murray signs, Kudobin signs, Holpe. I love the deal for Holpe in Vancouver. I think that's a great signing by the Canucks.
1: 100%. 100%.
0: Gives him more time with that, Thatcher Demko to kind of uh, let him develop. Markstrom in Calgary. Lundqvist in uh, Washington. Another, like, as you mentioned, great mentor for Samsonov. Mm-hmm. He might not, he's not going to be your starter, obviously, but can eat up 30 games still. Um, uh, what else we got? We got Corey Crawford, I didn't mention, signed in New Jersey. Um, again, another, another, he was a little ticked that there wasn't much discussion with Chicago. Keith Kincaid signs it with the Rangers, Cam Talbot with Minnesota, um, Malcolm Subban in Chicago. I mean, the goalies just seemed to be the go to this offseason. So any team that needed one, man, unless, <laughs> unless you were the Edmonton Oilers who just re signed Mike Smith for a year, um, you had your your choice of who you wanted to go after so i i mean i think it, a number of great signings as i mentioned i think Holpi was an incredible signing mm-hmm. um i, I think could a, a team friendly deal at 10 million over four years murray good signing in ottawa markstrom you know six million i think he's that's well deserved for uh Jakob markstrom he he kind of he paid his dues and got to where he was uh, in Vancouver. And, you know, now he's going to earn his earn his bucks. Lundqvist, great signing. Um, on the player side of things, what a signing by Buffalo to bring in Taylor Hall. Like, uh, beautiful signing by them um, for a one-year deal. Uh, he's betting on himself, obviously. Uh, I think Radko Gudes in Florida, that's a great signing. I would have liked to see him in a Leafs jersey, but we'll get to mm-hmm. that in a second. Kubalik you know cashes in in chicago for the time being for 2 years um yeah i mean there's just so much i think edmonton aside from that goalie signing which is i just don't understand bringing back yessi pulljarvi and picking up kyle turris i think two solid moves by by the oilers and uh ken hall um i just don't understand bringing back mike smith
1: yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to touch on Edmonton, and then I want to touch on Taylor Hall after this, and ju- and uh, just very quickly. Yeah, I if there's a loser during free agency, the Edmonton Oilers missed out on trying to improve their net, and that's long run because I think aside from their goaltending situation, it's definitely not that great. Um, yeah, you. they made great uh, additions with Turris and bringing back Puyo Yarby. I think Turris, like, really fits in well with their depth behind McDavid and Dreisaitl as the number three center. So that's really good on them. Getting Poyarvi after the season that he had, it's great that he's given a second chance right now. And I think, you know, I think main, mainly he feels that, you know there's some trust with Kenny Holland in the direction that they're going right now. And if I'm him, I would, I a hundred percent trust Ken Holland, not so much on the goaltending front, but you know, getting that, getting that bolstered to your forward depth is a really great sign that, yeah, that was a weak point because you can't always, you can't rely on big David and dry settle for a hundred points, but let's face it, other people and other players have got to step
0: up. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's, uh, you know, having that depth is, is what they've been missing for a number of years now. And, you know, now you have the potential to, to even split up dry and, uh, and McDavid and have two legitimate lines. Whereas I think before you were kind of putting pieces in, into the mixer and seeing what came out. So I think, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, you know, two very solid signings. I think Paul Arby's had a couple more years to develop and, uh, you know, that's, um, that, you know, that, that'll prove, uh, prove good for him i think coming back to edmonton so yeah i think uh two solid signings by edmonton yeah and i just want to jump
1: into taylor hall right now um yes it is a great signing for buffalo one year eight million dollars i mean they got a ton of cap space which made sense to sign him to that is it the right move though does it make buffalo that much better going forward
0: Um. I mean, going forward, no. I think with one year to kind of, I think I think it's more of a signing to please Jack Eichel. I can see that. I think it's a, hey, Jack, you know, we hear you. We want to give you somebody to play with. And here's what we're going to give you. Um, that being said, I think you're stunting the development of some of the players that you have in your system. Mm-hmm. A Casey Middlestad who you've, basically thrown through the ringer up and down, up and down. Um, a Sam Reinhart uh, who still has, you know, the potential to be a, a, a decent player. Uh, um, he needs a new contract too. And he needs a new contract. Uh, you know, Victor Olsson. Um, we mentioned it last episode. He's a guy that definitely needs to get more time at five on five and, and see what he can do at five on five. Cause he right now he's a power play specialist. That's it. Mm-hmm. He's a one dimensional player. Yeah. Um, I I honestly think I like the signing at 8 million one year. You're not, you're not committing to anything that said, I do think it is a let's please Jack Eichel move.
1: Yeah. And, and definitely, I mean, we saw how frustrated he was in May or April when that he expresses frustration with the organization during the whole, you know, restructuring of ownership there. And now, he, there's a whole rumor gate about him possibly being dealt, but Bob McKenzie clarified that, that there were talks, but they said, you know, you're not going anywhere. Hall mentioned that he wanted to win, and he made that a priority heading into free agency. Out of the teams remaining, Boston is probably would have been his best bet to try and win right now. I mean, they have made the playoffs. They were one of the top teams last year. They got great depth. But having Taylor Hall on the second line probably wouldn't go well as opposed to having him on the first line. But you ain't going to mess up the perfection line. He said he was willing to take less. $8 million. I, I mean, $1 million is in signing bonuses. $7 million is in base salary. I mean, if he wanted to use this as a prove-me-now contract, great. But I think that number is a bit too high to be a prove me now because if he's trying to get like nine or ten million, it probably would have been best if he signed maybe for six, considering that if it's a prove me now contract, I'll take what I have right now. And then if I do well this year with Jack Eichel, I could get more possibly next year. And if he does resign and if things go well, that's great. But Buffalo has got a lot of other issues to deal with right now. I mean, You signed Hall, he's most likely going to play with Eichel, but your defense is still a work in progress. The only bright side is Rasmus Dahlin. Goaltending situation is kind of like Edmonton right now. It's bad you're relying on Linus Olmark and Carter Hutton. You're not going to go far. Your top line is going to produce, but nothing much to look forward to after that. That's just how I see it.
0: Yeah, just kind of getting into that as well, going off of what you said, so their defense, I I think, is a little bit more, um, maybe shored up than it has been in past years. They have Dalian, they have Risto Brandon Montour is there, Colin Miller's there, okay, Harju Like, mm-hmm. adds a little bit to them. That said, still a lot younger than maybe you'd like. Um, but that said, I think you mentioned it. Like, you're talking about a team who hasn't been in playoffs in nine years. Yeah. you want to win and you're going to a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in nine years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that would be my first indication that maybe I'm making the wrong choice. Yeah. Now let's go off of that for a second. Carter Hutton is your starting goalie. Unproven in my books. Not percent. not a starter at all at the NHL level. And that's nothing against Carter Hutton. I just don't think he's a, he's a starting goalie. Yeah. You have an unsigned, Uh, goaltender in Linus Allmark, who's supposed to be your next guy in line. Okay? Unsigned at this point. Obviously, they'll get a deal done. That being said, unsigned at this point. Your next two goalies in in your depth chart are Jonas Johansson. Heard of him? Nope. Me neither. (laughs) Uko Pekalukkanen. Obviously a talented goaltender, but the Finn is still probably two or three years away from even getting a taste of NHL action. Yeah, I agree. So you want to win. You're not, you're not going to do that in Buffalo. No. Um,
1: And that's why I think everybody saw the signing very surprisingly. Yeah. Like if he signed with Nashville, Nashville has at least pieces in place to still at least make the playoffs. Are you, is Buffalo really going to make the playoffs this year behind the cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning, behind the Boston Bruins, behind the Toronto Maple Leafs?
0: Montreal seems to be in a better spot than them. Florida has goaltending. Florida might be in a better yep. spot than them. Yeah, they yep. don't have the top six that Buffalo supposedly has, but, th- you know, goaltending is part of the, part of the, the, the gig here, like, I mean, we talk about Toronto, we talk about Frederick Anderson and that possibly being the reason why the Leafs aren't able to get to where they need to be. Cause he doesn't steal a game for you. You think yeah. Carter Hutton's is going to steal a game for you? Do you Not think Linus chance. Allmark's going to steal a game for you? How about Not. Jonas Johansson? Is he going to steal a game? I, like you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. You could have signed, you could have signed in probably 25 other cities and had a better chance at winning than where you have in Buffalo. I just, I'm just I, gonna build, I, I don't get it.
1: I'm just going to build off on that because Elliot Friedman did mention this earlier today, or from what I saw, Elliot Friedman said that there was talks that they want to try and keep uh, Taylor Hall long term. So maybe this is yeah, no confirmation, but there are rumblings Taylor Hall is going to actually conference call. Kevin Adams says Sabres are interested in making this a long-term relationship. Sorry, I was reading the wrong tweet. There's so much in his timeline that I just read the wrong one. But they want to try and keep them long-term. Then again, what's going to happen with his contract figure afterwards? Are you going to sign him more than $8 million? Again, it's a great move for Taylor Hall to try and bank on himself to be like, yeah, I can bounce back. I could play well with a great centerman. But... Who's if it doesn't quite work out? Who's willing to give him eight million dollars next year?
0: So let's kind of go off that as well. Casey, Casey Middlestad, unsigned right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Olson needs a contract, Sam Reinhardt needs a contract. Uh, who else do we have here? As I mentioned, Linus Allmark needs a contract. And if you're if you're Hall and you want to win, why are you signing why would you ever sign long term in Buffalo? I get I get that there's a relationship there between him and, and Ralph Kruger. Yeah. That is is probably the main reason he went to where he went. But even if you're if you're Taylor Hall, why aren't you potentially talking to Edmonton and say, Look, I'll come back for a year. Mm hmm. Why would you like I mean you've been there, you played there, you understand, you know some of the players, like you have relationships with a McDavid. Yeah. I maybe it's about being the star. I mean, you're 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 still kind of second coming to Jack Eichel in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. But if you're, it's about winning. You made the, I'm sorry, but you made the wrong, you made the wrong decision. And and that that goes against every grain of my body because, as I mentioned last episode, Buffalo's got a great group of uh, fans, a great fan base in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. I love the fan base in Buffalo. Uh, I go down there for the combine every year and. It, that that city's buzzing when it comes to hockey. Yeah. But they're passionate. But man, the the Pakulas are not putting a winning franchise on the ice mm-hmm. at this point in time. And on top of that, you've got six million dollars locked up in Kylock Pozo. Okay. Nine
1: million yeah. to Jeff Skinner.
0: Nine million in Jeff Skinner. Like I I, I don't know. I just I I won't understand this signing until it uh, until it makes sense to everybody. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. Here's one thing to look at it. They could bounce back. They
1: could surprise a lot of teams and they could be they could play relatively well. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is they go on a run 10, 12 game winning streak and then they fall flat like they did the last two years.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. But uh, as we mentioned, we don't want to dwell too much on this. We've already been talking about everything else for an hour. Let's get into the Maple Leafs. Uh, One last thing before we do so. The season is projected. They're hopefully going to get start uh, January 1st. Let's keep our fingers crossed that everyone can stay safe, stay inside, and get this uh, this NHL season rolling for us.
1: I just knocked on wood hoping that it comes true.
0: There you go. Um, <laughs> now I want to jump into the Leafs, obviously. Um, we mentioned signings. Um, obviously the Leafs were busy as well this offseason. They made a trade. Mm-hmm. They, they moved Andreas Johansson for Joey Anderson to New Jersey. Uh, more of a cap dump. They get a, a young guy, a 22-year-old Anderson, who, you know, obviously led the World Junior team uh, back in, I believe, it was 2017, 2018. Buffalo year, yep. Yeah, and uh, you know, has the potential to be a Hyman-type player. Not going to be your offensive threat. A guy that uh, you know has the ability to be more of a defensive mind, penalty killer. You know, plays plays kind of on the on the physical side of things, and and doesn't mind throwing his body around. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we get into the signings, what are your thoughts on that trade? Obviously, Anderson's an RFA, somebody that the Leafs will have to sign. But uh, good move, bad move? What do you think, Peter? Honestly,
1: you probably could have. I'm not saying you could have gotten more, but if you packaged up a deal with Johnson, you could have gotten another defenseman. But overall, I really like this move mainly because it, this addresses the change in philosophy that Dubas wanted. Mm-hmm. He wants players that are accountable, reliable, and doesn't to make, you know, not necessarily risky moves, but the wrong move at the, at the when they should have done something else. Anderson is that guy. And as you even saw online, um, I believe it was Ra- Rachel Dory who made a really great thread about Josh Anderson, even comparing him to Blake Coleman. And that to me stuck out really what like that was the forefront of that because, hey, Blake Coleman was a stan is a Stanley Cup champion right now. So honestly, if he's looking to be another Zach Hyman type player, I have no issue with that because we all know how great Zach Hyman can be. The offensive game may not be there as as it's not as well. The as Hyman kept playing with like, you know, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner and all that. But the fact that they got another battler, another death player, PK, someone to jump in offensively every now and then, it's great. And to me, Janssen, along with Kapanen at times, just looked off most of the time and was a step behind all year. So if you know maybe that's a hindrance and you know maybe he may not uh, hold up to that contract, might as well just dump it.
0: Yeah, um, and just kind of going off that, the one, the thing I like about Anderson is, like, obviously, he didn't get the opportunity to develop in the New Jersey program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, I think the Leafs do have a better development program in terms of getting their players ready for the NHL. Yeah. And with that said, Anderson's a guy who bets on himself. And uh, if you read any any of the interviews with him, he's a guy that knows that he's got, He he's not an offensive guy. He goes out there and makes the play that's in front of him. Yeah. And uh, he's he, he'll be the first one to admit you're not going to get 25 goals from him. But you're going to you're gonna maybe stop 25 goals that uh, come in the other way. And that's that's kind of what you need right now if you're the Leafs. A bottom six guy that's going to kind of – I mean, he might not even be in there next next season. Yeah. Like I said, 22 years old, he's going to take some time and develop in the system and go from there. But one thing I, I want to talk about with that trade is uh, there was a tweet by uh, <laughs> Steve Simmons. And anybody from Toronto knows knows what Steve Simmons is all about. Oh, uh, yeah. And he mentioned how there there was an agent, an NHL agent out there who said something about um, you know, Toronto being one of the few teams that trade away assets before winning a Stanley Cup. And uh, I, just, I, I I don't want to bash anybody, but, man, who the hell is taking any information from an agent right now on how to run a team? There's a reason why being. I mean- they- there are reason why they're agents
1: the same reason that maybe he's getting medical information from an outside source
0: yeah i you know you know what i mean like it's just uh, th- everything he says just drives me nuts and, and i used to read his uh, his column in the toronto sun years ago years ago like when you know mm-hmm. newspapers were still relevant <laughs> and uh say I say that as a journalist, so
1: yep, you know, yep I, I hear I would, you.
0: I would love for them to still be re- relevant there was something about getting the black marks on your fingers when you're reading the newspaper but mm-hmm. um, and every time I would just chuckle at the end because it just seemed like this guy went home um took you know had three glasses of scotch and decided to sit down and write a stream of consciousness regarding sports like I just it just he he always drove me insane. I never I, I i was never a huge fan of his, and it just seems like every passing year he just gets more and more frustrating. As as not only a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but um as as a as a person who's kind of in tune with what what goes on in Toronto sports media. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just me, but uh, just. I, I read his tweet and just kind of laughed like I used to with his his columns. I just thought it was it was ridiculous and and it it was unnecessary to to tweet something like that. out.
1: Andy Petrillo had probably one of the best comebacks to his comment. Has this agent been working long? Pretty sure the Edmonton Oilers traded away two first overall picks before even making the playoffs once. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And not only that you saw disappointment this year, you know, changes needed to happen. And if you're moving away players that, you know, aren't going to be as impactful as you'd like them to be, why not move them? Why keep them there so they could hinder the roster and everyone else again. So you could see another failure failed season next year. If you really want this team to succeed, you want them to make the necessary moves, moving Johansson, moving Kapanen. That's what you needed to do. Those contracts are hindering the team. They didn't, as cheap as they were, they didn't live up to them at all this year. After two great rookie seasons last year, none of it worked out. So if you want them and you want the team to succeed, move on. Get actual players who want to play or know what they're capable of
0: doing and can live up to what their value is accountability. And, and, and you mentioned it and, you know, we saw Johnson come in for the final game of the play in series and he just looked awful. Yeah. He, he was not sure of himself. Um, and, and I mentioned it afterwards that I would have rather seen Nicholas Robertson stay in there. He was, he was a guy who was going out there and playing every minute, like it was his last. And he's, you know, he's, he's one of the younger guys on the team. Um, yeah. And he was, he was accountable for his plays. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's enough of the trade. I'd like to see what we do with Joey Anderson. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can, he can bring to the Marlies and, and uh, hopefully eventually the Leafs. Um, mm-hmm. but we have a number of signings to talk about here for the Maple Leafs. Yes. First off, Jason Spetz coming back one year, 700,000. Uh, I love this signing. I, I, I said it from the get go at the end of the season. I want to see Spezza back. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Vc signed yesterday, one year, nine hundred thousand. Leafs were part of the Jimmy Vc sweepstakes when he came out of college. Um, I, I think another great signing in terms of uh, potential and and just overall dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis Boyd, one year, seven hundred thousand. Uh, again, another guy who goes out there and plays in the corners and doesn't mind getting physical and 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 playing the body. Uh, good signing out of Washington. Zach Bogosian, Stanley Cup champion. Zach Bogosian. Yeah. One year, one million dollars. Your right-handed defenseman. I don't care how old he is. This guy is exactly what the Leafs need on the back end. He's another Jake Muzzin. He's a guy who's going to throw the body around. He's a guy who's going to go into the corners, make people afraid to dump the puck into his corner. Um, Stay at home for your your puck-moving guys. I love it. Bolsters our blue line. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wayne Simmons, one-year, 1.5. This has been talked about for two seasons to get Wayne Simmons in Toronto. Now is the time to do it. 1.5 million. You're getting your dollars worth. There was a report that came out He's playing a lot of last season Hurt. Um, so all those, all those haters out there right now talking about while well, you're giving him 1.5 million. Yeah. 1.5 million. And I guarantee you, he has a bounce back year this year. <clears throat> he's playing in Toronto at home. He's, he's a, he's a Toronto city kid. Like I love this signing. He's w- watch out for the Wayne train. Cause this is going to happen this year, guys. Yeah. Finally, four year deal, 20 million for TJ Brody. Again, another defenseman to bolster your blue line. And, you know he's got that kind of all-around game. I talked to you. I don't know about the dollar amount, just with his history of uh, injury and and medical mm-hmm. issues. Um, that said, uh, I think if you look at our blue line now, it's incredibly crowded, which is a good problem to have. You're going to be talking about Justin Hall, Travis Dermott, Lilgren, Sandine. All those guys are going to be battling for spots on this on this blue line, and I love every minute of it.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to correct myself for a quick second. Casberry Kapanen wasn't a rookie last year. It was a sophomore season when he scored forty-four points. Back to that topic, um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of a time where I was actually happy with the way this defense looked. I wasn't happy. I was optimistic last year, but I wasn't quite happy getting Tyson Berry. But I'm going to mention, uh, I I hate to go to Twitter again, but Samuel uh, Terpak, head scout writer um, for Slovakia and Czech Republic at Dauber Prospects. Positive thing about the Leafs D-Core next year, worst case scenario, don't add nothing else, is better defense than best case scenario last year. And if the worst case scenario is better than the best case scenario last year where maybe it's you know very stagnant maybe it stays the same maybe improves a little bit i'm taking that to the bank as a major improvement because now you have players who are responsible who take care of the puck who aren't just thinking offense you have someone in tyson um tyson berry uh tj brody that can play it smart on his own end, make a strong stretch pass to get the play going while letting Morgan Riley do what he needs to do and having him on the back end. Zach Bogosian, like you said, another Jake Muzzin-type player. He he has good hands, and I'm just going to throw this out there. If you saw the play that he made against the Boston Bruins where he dangled Tory Krug and Brandon Carlo inside out, cuts to the middle, throws it to the middle, Blake Coleman Dodger a puck and gets it back to Garask. He has some offensive upside. As limited as it is, you know you're going to see him, you know, be the big body in front, getting the lanes, being aggressive on the boards. Proved it this year that he can still play. And given in a really great environment, he can thrive in it. And Travis Boyd, don't know much about him, but he, if, like, if he's able to I know he had some good offensive numbers last year. If he can sort of jump in like that and be that kind of like third, fourth line player. I know he had 20 points in 2018-19, 10 more last year. If he could be another depth option, great. But like you said, the main prize is Wayne Simmons, man. And I am absolutely happy that he's going to be
0: back. I'm legitimately... Like, I'm legitimately thinking of getting a Wayne Simmons jersey. I don't care if he's here for one year. That number I'll, 24, the little preview, that looks nice. I love 24 it. 24 and Simmons, it matches perfectly. I love it. I, and it would look great on my on my basement wall right now.
1: <laughs> I honestly, and yeah, let's just talk. I mean, I want to go like a little bit more in depth talking about him. You're not going to get the 60 points. 30 to 31 goal score power forward that he was in the mid thousands or mid uh, 2010s 2013 14 to 2016 17 yeah he was dealt with injuries yeah he played on two subpar teams of buffalo and new jersey um this is a guy who knows how to play the game right he said it from the from his interview he's here to hit he's here to be a physical presence he knows what the team expects him to do he will fight and anyone he says he he will fight anyone i mean great that we need some of that i mean obviously you're not going to drop the gloves every single minute that you get but if there's an opportunity where he needs to stand up for somebody we have somebody who can do it he has proven to score he can still he still has good speed he can still get to the dirty areas and and uh, bang in loose pucks so you know he's a great area or a great player in front of the net in the high danger area. He was in the past. You might see that. You're going to see that again this time around. Granted, it's going to be very limited limits because of what he's going to be in. Third, most likely fourth world, depending on who battles for that third spot or who comes out on top. But he knows his role. He knows what he's going to be doing. And he knows that the team has faith in him. If they didn't, if they it, with his injury history if there was any concerns about that it was
0: probably not that much of a big deal. Look, you give me him and specs on your fourth line, you're laughing. Yes. I'm I'm loving every minute of that. You, you throw him on for 8 to 10 minutes a game, if you give me 35 points in the season, you're well worth your 1.5 million dollars. Especially with the intangibles. Like this is yeah. a guy who's good. Like you said, he's going to play the physical game. He's going to go out there. He's going to battle. He's going to stand up for his, his, his players. The talented guys in the lineup. He's got the speed. He's got the reach. Um, you know, he can still, still get to the, the, the grimy areas. But if you give me 35 points and, and play with those intangibles, I have, I have no, no, like I have nothing bad to say.
1: hmm Just looking at last year, Jason Spezza almost had 30 points. Going up and down fourth and third line, but even then, he saw a lot of healthy scratches because of Mike Babcock. If Jason Spezza, who's much older than Wayne Simmons, can get 25 points, I'm pretty sure you could probably expect roughly the same, maybe a tad bit less from Wayne, maybe 20-25. But to get that much production out of him in that role, 1.5 million. I I mean, you could look at it and be like, oh, the 500,000 maybe a little bit extra maybe but you know what one year
0: it's a low risk high reward move look i'm not i'm not a coach by any means but let this sink in for a second what if you were to, to split time on the second power play unit in front of the net between spezza and wayne simmons think about that big body mm-hmm. sitting right in front of the net nobody's going to see around him right there you can almost guarantee yourself 5 to 5 to 10 points on the yeah. power play So all I'm saying is you get 20 to 25 points at five on five, you're a 35 point guy at, you know, $1.5 million. And Mm -hmm. you're, like I said, you're coming with all those intangibles.
1: And I think right now you could even rotate him and Zach Hyman out of that second pair or that second unit as well. because yeah. both. Or if you want to do it, you could have one high in the bumper and then have both of them just create havoc down low.
0: Yeah. And Zach,
1: like that's that can be a viable option for them as well.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm so excited to see what he brings to the lineup. Um, like, can we get this season started already? It's, it's, it's yes. uh, mid-October, guys. Yeah. But... My next
1: thing I also want to delve into is just the TJ Brody contract. I mean, this is another guy that Dubas has had on his radar for quite some time. Yeah. Initially, Kadri was supposed to go to Calgary and TJ Brody was supposed to come back, but he didn't want to waive his no-move clause, which is why we ended up with Tyson Berry. If we would have dealt Kadri for Brody and we got him last year, we probably would have been in a better spot than with Tyson Berry last year than we were having to deal with
0: him this year oh but the toronto media was too tough on tyson berry i mean i mean (laughs) come on i mean
1: okay yes the fan base is tough the media is tough i get that but when you come in and even when you're supposed to be given that label as a right-handed d-man and you know you were expected to produce you you didn't live up to expectations. And I'm not trying to, like, bash Tyson Berry, because there were times where he was being like, you know, again, Mike Babcock. He started to thrive under Sheldon Keith, but his defensive play, I thought it would have been better, but it really wasn't. And that's not me bashing the player. It's that's what we saw. That's what we're seeing. We, we like you want us to paint a picture that, oh, he was good all the time. He really wasn't. He did, there were times where he didn't even know how to handle a 2 on 1. Instead of taking a lane, he goes for the shooter. And it's like what are you thinking at times? And again, I try to be I hope he does well in Edmonton, but at the same time like you really think and I I I'm, I'm just going to say this. I've seen some of the Edmonton like, you know, reporting and stuff like that. They are just as tough as they are there, as they are in Toronto.
0: I was gonna say, if have you ever listened to Spit and Chocolates and the way Ryan uh, Ryan Whitney talks about the the media in, in Edmonton, the way that they essentially tortured him, the fans in yeah. in Edmonton. I mean, yeah. come on, what, you're going from one Canadian city to another. What what are you expecting? It's they're not it's, gonna. It's not gonna be any easier. Hockey
1: in Canada, like they like, no matter what city you're in, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, they all like they, like can like obviously when you think of can- hockey you think of Canada right all the best talent or majority of the best talent comes from Canada we pride on hockey we want our teams to do well and if you don't do well i mean there are going to be su- there
0: is going to be some backlash and some you know criticisms if you don't play well All I'm going to say is grab your snowmobile, enjoy the minus 40 weather, and hopefully the top power play in Edmonton doesn't falter with you taking as many shots as you did. Yeah. (laughs) Got that right. But even right now,
1: um, going back on topic with Brody, 5 million four years. I'm still taking that as a really great contract. Mainly because of the fact that, you know, They wanted a right hand shot. You had a couple last year, even with Cody, CC, and Barry, that failed completely. Contract goes till he's 35. You're wary about giving at least five million to those players and up when they hit that range. But to be honest, it's around when the he turns 35, around when the contract ends that's when he players usually start to decline. And that's when you could probably probably renegotiate at a lower value if you choose to resign him. And the fact that he can play on the right side, even though he's a left hand shot, that's all that matters. We just need someone who can handle the right side. It doesn't matter if you're a right hand shot, if you can handle and play that side perfectly, which he has shown in the past of Calgary, then there's really no issue right there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, uh, like I said, I think it was just more concern about his health issues. Uh, obviously, he's had some some issues in the past, but, uh, you know, at $5 million, and by the time you get to the end of that contract, you're going to see a rise in the cap that the $5 is not going to play a huge role in terms of uh, hindering what Toronto does with their, their roster. So um, yeah. I think it's a good option um, in terms of what the Leafs brought in versus what they, they got rid of. Um, you know, solid, solid... Uh, off season so far. And I, I still don't think they're done. I still think there's going to be, you know, so they got to do some moving around with the cap. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, going to qualifying offers, obviously they need to sign Dermot and Mikheyev, uh to RFAs. They, they both received qualifying offers. Some notables that didn't Jeremy Bracco and Frederick Gauthier, the goat did not receive qualifying offers from the team. Yeah. I mean, there were times where the goat, he played
1: well, but he didn't. And there, I mean, you saw when the first game of the playoffs, that fourth line was just, you know, awful. And when Pierre Engvall came into the lineup, that injected a whole nother amount of energy into the lineup. And I, and I'm sad, sorry to say this, he has a good frame. He just doesn't use it. Go to. And that was the downfall.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, not, not the quickest on uh big body wasn't really physical. Um, and I think, uh, that ended up hurting his, his chances of coming back, especially when the Leafs are so tight, uh, cap wise. Um, when it comes to the Brocco situation, I think he just, you know, wasn't happy with where he was at with the club. And, uh, I think that's just, uh, you know, that's just the Leafs kind of getting rid of, uh, you know, somebody that maybe doesn't want to be there as, as much as, uh, they'd like. So, and you're mentioning Dermot and Mikheyev needing their head, their
1: contract status. 406,000 is the cast base we have right now. Once somebody else is going to be on the way out, I'm probably looking at, you may want to keep Alexander Kerfoot at 3.5, but Justin Hall, he might be gone.
0: Yeah, and... Uh like i said those are the guys you're gonna have to watch for because i i can't see them moving Lilligren. He's a right-handed defenseman that has mm-hmm. a, a high ceiling yeah. uh sandine looked good in his uh games that he played last year Dermot obviously a guy that they want to probably hold on to um so yeah i think uh i think hall justin hall might be the, the odd one out and uh, i mean you're not gonna get huge huge return for him but he's a guy that could draw a little bit of um uh, interest from from other teams around the league. Yeah.
1: And I know that on the opening day of free agency, Toronto already linked to Mackenzie weir from the uh Florida Panthers, who's also an RFA. So yeah. there's obviously still some movement to have because if you if you do get him, then there's another RFA to worry about when you already have McCabe and Dermott. So that still complicates things. Again, you know Kyle Dubas and Brandon pridham they're always contacting each other and how they can like manage the cap, who can be dealt, who can't, what can be done. I have faith that they're going to fix this or like you know still create more space. But uh, it's it's difficult. It's th- it's difficult to manage all this. And seeing Hall at two million, there were times where he was great. There were times where he wasn't. And now if he gets pushed down the depth chart, two hundred million for a seventh, eighth as best six defensemen six seven eight that's probably not good value because if i'm looking at the what i'm projecting next year there are defenses riley brody muzzin dermot Sandine, bogosian slash throw in miko Letnin because he's been really impressive this uh season right now and i think you have another option there on the right side that could rotate in and out with bogosian
0: yeah, no I agree and uh that's Miko and just brings a whole another question into into how the Leafs blue line is going to look next season. Obviously Bogosian's a guy that might not play all 82 games or or however long the season is um, but uh definitely uh there's more questions right now than answers on the Leafs blue line and I think like I mentioned I think that's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah, it's difficult, but it's a great one. And Mikko Lettinen, 6 goals, 13 assists in 9 games with Yokerit. That is. Is that good? I mean, if you like a defenseman who could score goals, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just astounded how like uh, uh, Kyle Dubas was able to find two gems in Alexander Bar- Barabanov and Mikoletnin this year. This is this is great scouting. This is great management. And you know what? I'm all for it. And I don't want to trade Travis Dermott. But if you can improve on our defense or even another depth forward that can be injected into the lineup right now at a great price, do it. I mean, obviously, you want to see him thrive because when Jake Muzzin was out and he was paired with uh, Justin Hall, Dermot stood out for me on that pairing. Justin Hall was lost at times and Travis Dermot rose to the occasion. So, you know, the promise is there and you know that he can play on his offside. So. You're in a good spot where to put him positionally, and now the only issue is the contract.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, you know, we talk about uh, what the what the Leafs have in the, their prospect pool. Obviously, they added to that this week with uh, with the draft going on. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of an off the table off the uh, off the table pick at at fifteen, but. Uh, according to Kyle Dubis, they got their guy Rodian Amarov. What do you take away from this pick? Again, I'm, I'm going to be the first to admit it. I'm going to say that I want to bring
1: Schneider there. I, I mean, he's someone that could be injected into the lineup a few years down the line, right shot defenseman. Yeah. But there's no doubt that Rodian Amirov was the best pick available for them at that spot. There are a couple times where I was doing mock drafts and Rodian Amirov was at 15 and I selected him. Why? Skilled two-way winger, great speed, great vision, always patient with the puck. He never, he never seems to just get it off in a hurry. He always takes the time, locates where his teammates are, and he always finds them perfectly. He has great potential. And honestly, getting him in that spot was, I mean, I'm trying to think of a way to do this or say this. If there comes a time where a puck is coming to him and it's too hot and he kicks it up and he ch- throws it over another player's head, like we saw in a recent club posted online, we got a dual sport player playing hockey right now. We got yeah. we got we got a soccer player, we got sort of like a lacrosse player, we got a hockey player, we got we got a full package right there because that blew my mind at how he kicked it over someone's head, got possession, and just went in.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, you know you mentioned it. I think we got a we got a player that maybe maybe there's not much of a book out on him right now, or mm-hmm. as much as there would be at you know going at 15. But he's uh, if he can if he can kind of develop into the uh, the the ceiling that he's got. I I, I mean I think I don't think Dubas is wrong in saying that they got their guy. They got a guy that's got the potential to be. Uh, You know possibly a top six forward at the nhl level in you know a few years and and we're probably talking about three to five years until he actually gets a crack at the nhl anyway so lots of time to develop um obviously has the skill set to do so uh it's just a matter of you know how quickly he can do it and if he's in the right system to do it and as i mentioned i think toronto's got one of the better development systems in the league uh in terms of getting their 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 prospects and their their draft um they're their drafted players into the NHL so uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch to see where he goes but um, yeah I, I think it was it was just there was so much talk about Schneider going at 15 that people got set and ready for him to go at 15 and when he didn't I think people just you know put their arms up as to who the who Rodian Amarov was and and like I said I don't think there was much out there on him that people were aware of who this who this kid is Mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of like the prospect profiles, the videos of
1: him, because I know that there is a video of him playing at the U18s in April last year, and he just stood out. His IQ, his vision, his speed, he's got it all. And Chris Feria wrote a really good uh, recap of uh, Rodion Yamirov, and he mentioned that Josh Tesler from Smat Scouting compares him to Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights. Wow. That's that's some pretty high praise. That's some high praise. I mean, comparisons are comparisons. You see it in based on their style. They may not amount to that player. But if we got a player that can be like Mark Stone or has the potential to be, you're taking that to the bank. And you see how well this guy can play. He can, he's, uh, again, Mark Stone is a 200-foot a player. And I think that's what Dubas wanted to address this year smart accountability and the play ability to play in in all three zones, especially indeed the, the in the defensive zone
0: yeah no I, I agree and uh, um, going off of that uh, you know obviously you you were pretty high on some of the later picks for the for the Leafs as well um, mm-hmm. you know what what uh, what was maybe your favorite pick of the of day two for the Leafs? <coughs> I mean obviously I love uh R- Ronnie herevenin.
1: I mean, yeah, he's a smaller guy, 170 pounds, but he is—he gets into good body positioning, and he can—he can separate opponents easily, and he has great speed, great hands, great passing abilities, smart defensively as well. No issue with him. Topi Niemela, I—I not necessarily didn't know—I knew a little bit about him, but after seeing uh. Um, Justin Cuthbert posted this from uh, John John Lilly, their director of amateur scouting, saying that Topi Nimela is has some of the best defensive instincts in the entire draft. That's saying something about a player who could have been a second round pick. Toronto got him early third. Um, his ability his ability to read the play is very good, and he can. He people may not know this, but he can be physical. I saw a hit online where he just absolutely stood his ground, knocked the opponent down, took advantage of the play. My favorite one personally, and I think he should have been higher. And I talked about him about a week ago, and I know Mark was very happy with him because of the last name, William Villanov. Mainly because you know, she's a huge Beauty and the Beast fan, and I mentioned on the podcast that Villeneuve mm-hmm. is the same village in where Belle is from. Sidetracked. Either way, I love this selection. I think that not all, I, there are some people that are not very high on Villeneuve and his skating is an issue, but his vision, his passing plays, his 200-foot play, and his ability to get into the um, – into the passing lanes. I absolutely love this pick. This was my favorite one at fourth round. I think he could have been in the second, but this is an absolute, not steal, but a great selection for the fourth round. And I'm, I was actually very surprised that he was still there.
0: I actually want to go with the other fourth round pick 106th overall Arter uh, Aktyomov. Yeah. Um, obviously made his KHL debut the other day. Um, uh, you know, two goals on, I believe, 23 shots, um, but there's a big influx right now of, of Russian goaltenders in the NHL, mm-hmm. and I think he is just another example of possibly, you know, an underrated goaltender that could come in and actually be a legitimate uh, starter at some point uh, down the road, and, and I've talked to you about it before where I just don't think the Leafs have that that uh, goaltending depth in their system that they need. No. And I think this was a great addition. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of time now to, to sort of sit on it and and let him develop into a, a legitimate goaltender and uh, give him the opportunity to come over and actually, you know, play a role in the Leafs uh, organization down the road. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he had some years over, over in the MHL where he was, you know 1.80 goals against 931 save percentage uh, I believe last year he he had a 167 goals against 926 save percentage so just I mean the numbers are there and I think he got a little bit uh, underrated with just you know Askarov being in there uh, yeah. there's some some North American goaltenders that were also in the mix uh, but I, I love this pick at, at at 106. I think it's a good pick for the Leafs. It's what they needed in the system, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm excited to see what he does uh, this year in the KHL.
1: Yeah, at the moment, the jury is still out on Ian Scott and Joseph Wall. You don't know how well they're going to pan out. Watching the early clips of Atayamov, he is he's got good flexibility, and I don't know if you saw like another clip online. Like, there is some, like, some crowd in front of him. He automatically just comes in and just sucker punches a guy. And for a goalie to have that bite, oh, man, do not get in his, you know, do not get in the crease because you might be asking for it. But, yeah, he has, In uh the, he's had some really solid numbers. Irvis um, Kazan, 180 save percentage and 931... 931 save percentage, 180 goals against average. Um, in the VHL, 0.98 goals against average, 957 save percentage. So he's got good numbers. Now we just need to see more of it. And if he can continue to do that, yeah, the Leafs have got a really great prospect in the system. As much as you want to have, like, you know, a number, a goalie first overall, you can still find a gem later on. And I think maybe Arthur Aktayamov can be that gem.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And obviously, like we said, uh, a solid draft by the by the Leafs. I think they came out on day two and really, uh, really got uh, some good pieces moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, before we kind of close out the episode, you did have a quarantine question last week where you discussed, uh, uh, you know, a comparable for Nicholas Robertson. Yes. Um, and there was a lot of discussion uh, on our on our feed for the show. We had thirty nine votes in that. Uh, in that question and in that poll and 64.1% say that he's more of a Jake Gunsel than a Braden point 35 35%, 35.9% say Braden point. Yeah. Um, but one response as well to the poll was that, uh, he could be compared to, a uh, Brendan Gallagher. Um, yep. just kind of going off that I, I, me personally, I think he has more upside than Brendan Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher is more that in your face, kind of gritty kind of pesty player whereas I think Robertson's got more pure skill um and that that's that would be the difference for me and that's why I think you went more of the Goonzel point uh uh, comparison rather than a guy like uh, Gallagher who's got the same size but maybe not the same talent yeah and and, and and I totally can see
1: You know, pug driven. He wants to get into all areas of the ice. But granted, Brandon Gallagher can probably get you, you know, he can get you 30 goals, 50, 60 points, but I don't know. You may just see a little bit more offensive upside with uh, Nick Robertson. And I, I posted that same poll question on my Twitter feed, and 63% Jake Ensel, 37% Braden points. And again, I, I got the same thing, Brendan Gallagher, and I can see that. But maybe he has a better, like and uh, like you alluded to before, a better shot like Brendan Gallagher, because Brendan Gallagher more so is, you know, that pesky, you know, presence in front of the net. But Nick Robertson can shoot the puck. Braden Point can shoot the puck. He's, Braden Point's got really great creativity with the puck. Nick Robertson has great creativity with the puck, which is why I use those two, as the main comparison as opposed to Brandon Gallagher. And I still see some Brandon Gallagher in him in terms of like the feistiness, but offensive production wise, I'm going with point or and the fans have spoken Jake Gensel.
0: Yeah. No. And uh, just to add to our Twitter polls, uh, we've got one for this week. Um, What has been the Maple Leafs best off season move so far? So I'm going to put as many answers out there as I can, but you know, head over to the Twitter page, te- check it out, have your say. Obviously, we'll we'll interact with whoever we can, uh, whoever decides to respond and uh, share with us what you think of the uh, the Maple Leafs off season so far. Aside from that, Peter, another great episode in the books, number ten. Um, number
1: ten.
0: Number ten. Great
1: content for, uh, great content for episode ten with a lot to talk about. Yes. What a great way to reach double digits.
0: Yeah, and so, Peter, what do you have uh, for our readers, our listeners coming from the Hockey Writers uh, this week?
1: Um, I recently posted a draft recap as well as a review of Kyle Dubas keeping true to his word about, you know, making the team more competitive with his uh, free agent signings on day one. And as a result of the poll that I was going to be working on with uh, – Nick Robertson, Braden Point, and Jay Gensel. I, that took a bit of a back burner with everything going on this week, but I will be getting to that very shortly. Andrew, what
0: have you got going on? I am closing out the book on the 2020 NHL draft. So I'll be closing out the notebook, taking a few notes away from the, the first round. I just released a piece on the hits and misses in the first round uh, from my, my uh, rankings to where they actually went in the draft. Um, I will also be working on uh, possibly looking at next year's draft. So jumping ahead to next year, twenty twenty one, and and uh, do a small ranking of the of the top maybe thirty prospects at this point in time. Um, but all uh, draft right now. Um, obviously, if anything happens in the, in the meantime with free agency, we'll be looking back at that. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's a uh, good place to be. Where can uh, people find you, Peter?
1: At p barracchini on twitter p-b-a-r-a-c-c-h-i-n-i
0: andrew where can they find you they can find me on twitter at andrew g forbes or you can follow the podcast at sticks in the six pod Mm -hmm. on twitter um obviously hit us up on spotify itunes download uh subscribe rate interact with us on twitter guys because we uh we obviously love to talk about it we will discuss any any questions or concerns or anything like that you have on the show um aside from that we want to thank the the hockey writers for obviously uh you know hosting our show on their site and Mm -hmm. uh yeah from there um we look forward to seeing you guys next week absolutely have a good one